I'm Janet Nakano with NBA Podcaster, and this week we're featuring the second part of a special three-part series co-produced with the Graduate Management Admission Council. A few weeks ago in San Francisco, GMAC brought together recruiters from top technology companies to gain a perspective on opportunities in the field for MBA graduates. We bring you part two: how to win a job offer in the high-tech industry and what it'll be like when you get there. You'll learn how to best position yourself to break into the industry. You'll hear from recruiters Kim Caps from Intuit Incorporated, Deanna Christmas from IBM, Colleen McCreary from Electronic Arts, and Kim Grounds from Semantic Corporation. Visit our website mbapodcaster.com to listen to all three parts of this special in-depth series and see pictures of the event. Hello again. Welcome to MBA in High Tech. It's a series of podcasts about careers in high tech for MBAs. Our topic this time is what to expect when you're interviewing. Oh boy, interviewing for a job with a high tech company. We'll also give you a bit of insight into what it's like to work in the tech industry. I'm your host, Mark Bisno, Bisno on Business in Washington D.C. But I'm out here today in Silicon Valley. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is the heart of high tech. Where else to find the answers? But with the representatives we've got here at the table of four of the great companies of Silicon Valley, Kim Caps is with Intuit, which of course makes personal financial software. Deanna Christmas works for IBM. Colleen McCreary recruits for Electronic Arts, a video game publisher, and Kim Grounds, recruiter extraordinaire as they all are for Symantec. Now the interview process. And I suppose we could be talking about interviews that you do when you go on campus, or interviews when someone's called into your company for a job. To to you, and let's just kind of go around. What what is an interview? What, what is it? Is it where you chit chat socially? Is it a battery of psychological tests? Is it where you have to spend two days talking to everybody in the company? What are interviews at your company? Let's start with Colleen McCreary of Electronic Arts. Well, I think that they would be all of the above, based <laughs> on what you just uh, put out there. So I think that there are a couple of different things. Usually, if it's got the word interview anywhere attached to it, it is a chance for you to show your stuff. Um, explain what you've been doing with your life and what you want to do next. Um, I think any other event or an occasion is a chance for you to schmooze and to get to know the company. There are usually a lot of activities around those types of things. But if you hear the word interview at all, you should be prepared um, to be expected to be professional, to be on your game, to be either. Dressed to the company or dressed appropriately to be on time is something we've all talked about a little bit. Now, even in the high tech, even in the even in the high tech industry, there is an expectation of an MBA to kind of look and act the part. And I would say, then, if you are getting closer and closer to maybe an on-site visit, then ask the recruiter or the recruiting coordinator or whomever. What is appropriate and what is expected? But I would say for that first first round of interviews or that phone interview, um, high tech is big business, and you should never forget that. Just because it's a casual work environment and it's fun and there's free drinks and things like that, it doesn't take away from the fact that we're talking about billion dollar companies and billion dollar business. So it's kind of an opportunity you're saying to present yourself as as you want to be seen. But on the other hand, there are certain standards if you want the job. Kim Grouts at Symantec. What's the interview process like, and, and what, what could people say to help themselves? In the interview, semantic, you're selling yourself. 
you're you're basically you are selling yourself. And advice I would have for interviewers is to try not to be too casual. Um, you are interacting. The um, maybe the hiring manager is laughing, joking. That's who you can do that. But make sure and say be. Um, on task. Are you supposed to sound like, you know, you all you want to do in life is work at Symantec? What, what would be a deal breaker? You know, you can mention your competitors. That's fine. Deal breaker is telling the uh, interviewer that you, you've got to go. Uh, you've got a phone call to take or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but there have been this isn't a very important use of my time. Well, I'll, be just, right. I'll be on my way. Uh, deal breaker um, uh, in, in the initial interview asked, is this a telecommute position? Can I work from home? How about over there at the big... Goliath IBM. What what should you say or not say in an interview? Don't cuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, uh, I really get concerned when people disparage um, either former uh, organizations or leadership teams or their coworkers as they're giving examples of how um, they did things in the workplace. Um, because I, I always think if that's how you would. Uh, talk about another company, that's how you may talk about us if you're not working for us one day. So I'm always be on, as um, Kim said, be on your game and don't be too too casual. Um, and an IBM, what does an interview consist of? Let's say for a really serious candidate, they've, mm-hmm. they've gone through the gauntlet at the, um, you know, their school and you invite them, you give them a ticket, an airplane ticket, and they come. Is it, uh, how many interviews do they have to go through for how long? What's it like? Well, it, it's going to depend on the position, but typically you'd fly in for a day to the uh, hiring location and then meet with the hiring manager, the hiring, the leadership team, and their leadership team. Maybe it could be anywhere from two to four interviews. You probably have an opportunity to uh, also talk to folks who are, are performing the role that you're interviewing for. And then from there, uh, after we do the in-person interviews, we try to get back to people within five to seven business days and let them know what our hiring decision is because by the time we fly you in, um, we're, we're ready to move forward, and we hope you are as well. And, like, what if they don't have a firm handshake? Is it little things like that, or do you overlook it? You say, yeah, they're just, you know, they just got out of school. They'll learn all this stuff. Well, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. My mom always told me you never get a second chance to make a first impression. <laughs> and um, as Colleen said earlier, when, when you walk in, how you're dressed, how you present yourself, if you're on time, how you greet an individual, all that in the first two minutes can really set the tone for how the rest of the interview is going to go. So it can make a difference. Those little things can make a difference. It's it's different for an MBA, too, which is what we're referring to, than Mm -hmm. it is, I think, other people who are applying for jobs. If you're an undergraduate, if you're a master's in computer science or even a Ph.D. in computer science, um, if you're looking for... Um, technical versus a non-technical role inside or outside of technology, I think that there are very different expectations put on an MBA in particular. And that level of professionalism kind of going back to that element of class and poise and can we put you in front of a CFO or a CEO, that's the difference that you're looking at. So if you are that person who has been sheltered or maybe you did a a four-year degree in computer science and you worked in high tech for three or four years, and maybe you were always looking to move into that business job and you weren't given that opportunity. If you didn't use business school as a time to polish your skills, maybe those same skills that those managers were pointing to and why you couldn't translate 
um, into a business job when you were already in high tech, that's not going to change if you don't do any work to to kind of shift your mindset and your behavior. And in a way, you're on your own to do that because I don't think they give classes in table manners and things like that in, in business school. And yet, you come into the interview and you're going to be judged like any you know human interaction on things right. like that. Right. And you're saying, I would say, you said it's, it's, it's very interesting that you're trying to picture as a recruiter when you're talking to somebody, how are they going to function if they get the job and they're talking to a C-level executive, mm-hmm. not just of your company, but, you know, Anywhere. a client or something. Customers, how are, how are you going to represent our company to the highest, highest levels or the lowest, lowest levels? Can you communicate on every level possible? Do you understand the needs of the people around you? Um, are you able to quickly assess what the interviewer is asking and give the right answer, which is an ability, we think, to translate into can you quickly assess whatever situation you've been dropped into and perform and act appropriately? Do you, any of you actually give a psychological tests where you say, okay, now it's come to that point where you go into this other room and, you know, we're going to be asking you some weird questions? No. 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 Right. no. Just, this is so it's normal. So nothing to be afraid of out there in podcast land. <laughs> Sounds like these are just sort of normal, genteel conversations, although you're kind Behavioral of being judged. questions. Well, what have you done in the past? What would you do? We do... Um, a lot of scenario questions, so giving real-life scenarios for our customer. You know, if it's a marketing position, how would you position this game? How would you sell this game to a new clientele? What would be some features that you think you would recommend to the product groups? How would you go about recommending those features to our product groups? Those kinds of questions. Also, we always throw in, uh, what was your biggest challenge? And uh, if you had a, a situation that didn't turn out the way you wanted to in a job, how did you deal with that challenge? So always think of, you know, have something in mind, a situation where maybe something didn't work out and have you made it better. They always ask that question. Do you recommend that people try to turn the question to their advantage? Uh, like if you ask them, uh, what's your weakest point? They say, well, you know, some people say I'm too nice or something like that. I mean, or, or does that just seem so phony that you really should be candid or is it dangerous being too candid? Oh, you need to turn it around and, of course, and say... And this is how I turn it around to your advantage. And any MBA worth their salt will be able uh, yes. to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so they're phony, right. but they, they get away with it. It's, right. it's good. And um, what about preparing? Is it possible, do you think, Kim Caps of Intuit, to prepare for an interview? Should you gather your friends at business school around you and say, give me a murder board, throw me the toughest <laughs> questions you can? Psych me up for this. Um, it seems that the MBAs are very good at networking. So by the time that they're actually coming for second rounds or they're actually even first rounds um, at the universities that we go to, they've actually talked to people within the company that have gone to their school and have taken the classes. So they have prepared in that way, and I, and I think that's very beneficial for them. Do you, do you, go ahead. In addition to preparing, um, uh, some candidates make a mistake by not doing research on right. the company they're interviewing uh. at. And so a lot of feedback I get, well, the candidate was great, was very bright, but, you know, he just didn't or she didn't, didn't uh, do the research on Symantec and our product and what we do. So my advice is to candidates is if you're going to go interview at Symantec, if you're going to go be an interview at IBM, do some research and really get to know what the company, the product, maybe the new product that's coming out, get that kind of information, and that would. Really and it's and it's not because it insults you that they don't know about Symantec, but it's it just sort of suggests it's, that they're not going to be doing their homework in the future. It's preparedness, mm-hmm. and so that is one key to do, and do it thoroughly. 
And it's the good and the bad. I mean, I I want candidates who come in the door who can address, hey, here's where you've been really successful and where I think you'll be successful, but here are some weaknesses or here are some things that I think could be better. I mean, really showing some strategic thinking um, and showing that they actually care enough about our company and the desire enough about our company Mm -hmm. that they've done their homework and spent some time. And that passion piece, I just don't think is emphasized enough in business school. I mean, technology in particular is really about passion, and you want people who are going to be excited to be there. And frankly, at the couple of software companies that I've worked, in each case, the people who make the products are really the most important people in the lifeblood and the people who are treasured and honored, which is a little bit different than what I've perceived of a kind of more consumer product-driven companies outside of technology where you need to feel empowered to step in and have a conversation because you understand those products and you live those products and you breathe those products. Outside of technology, they have a lot of people, I think of um, a lot of stuff like cleaning cleaning, um, items and things like that, where the MBAs, package goods, where the MBAs, they don't have to really use those products. They really don't have to care about those products, but they could still do all of the market analysis and research to understand them. Whereas if you want to go and sit next to a software developer, you better be able to communicate with them about the actual product that they're working on and why that's important and get them to trust you because that's not going to happen easily um, without having a computer science background or without having the passion for that. So go ahead, Deanna. I was going to say it's a little bit different um, for the jobs that I'm recruiting for because we want you to have a passion and an aptitude for technology. But we also want you to have really strong industry skills and a passion for understanding how you can help executives run their business better. And that you and a passion for sales. You want to help sell solutions to executives to help them run their business you know, more effectively that are technology focused. So I'll take somebody who has strong business background with their MBA and a strong passion for sales and strong industry knowledge and an aptitude for technology because I know I've got a team behind them that can bring that to bear. Should interviewees be asking interviewers questions? Should they come in expecting that you're, you're going to want them to show some curiosity and they should come armed with some questions? And if so, what should they ask you? Well, I, I want them to ask me questions, but I don't want them to ask me pat questions. Um, the questions off of, out of a book that say, you know, these are the questions that I ought to ask. I want them to ask thoughtful questions that say they've done some research on the role, exercise their professional network, and talk to other people who are maybe performing the role at our company. And then they want to understand more from their own personal perspective about the business and the role. Now, Kim, how do you draw the delicate line between selling yourself on the one hand, being passionate that all of you are talking about, and on the other hand, not sounding too egotistical, like a prima donna, (laughs) saying, I would be the best salesperson, I love it, I'm just so great. You know, at some point, does it become a little grating sitting on the other side of the desk and, you know, listening to this person? I try to leave your ego at home, if possible, when you come in for an interview, even though you're great. You definitely have to come in, you have the passion, but uh, do not get overconfident because the fact that certain hiring managers in the high-tech industry, they do tend to think that some candidates with MBAs are egotistical. 
I refer to that as the ego to talent ratio. <laughs> so you need to have an equal amount of ego uh, to the amount of so, talent that you're bringing to the table. Uh, and if so, either of those two things uh, are out of whack, then generally I have a concern. How about afterwards? Should you shower the people that you met with with thank you notes or something? Or if you send flowers, is that a deal breaker? <laughs> you know, I 50% of my managers expect thank you emails. 50% don't. So it's kind of the trend is changing a little bit. I don't know with your candidates. It's not that high expectation. Five years ago, it would have been, I didn't get a thank you note. I, I don't want to bring this person in for a second round. How important is the interview in the overall process? Is it, is it, is it as practically as important as, you know, where you got, what school you got your MBA from? I mean, how, how does it rank? It's number one. Number, yeah, one. number one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All that boiling down to it. How long is a typical interview? 45 minutes. For the first round. Yeah. And one, how many rounds could it be? It's like a prize fight. Two to three. Generally, uh, round with uh, first round, maybe the hiring manager and a couple people. Uh, second round, maybe a full team of five to seven. Uh, third round with the executive VP wow. um, or executive or VP of the group. And that's it. Are you trained as interviewers and recruiters to just have a poker face? and not, Or is there any body language that somebody could read where they can kind of get cues? Oh, I'm doing well. Or, oh, my gosh, I must have said something. I better you know, back up. I intentionally keep a, a straight face or I just smile and nod a lot, regardless of how well they're doing. Because I don't want anybody feeling like they were treated right. differently from one mm-hmm. another. I think a good sign if the interview goes over a little bit. If the interview stops right at 45 minutes or maybe a little uh, sooner than that, that could be a little red flag. Wow. Well, interviews are a very interesting process, it's, but it's much better to be on your side of the table. <laughs> well, we are delighted and we're privileged that we had all of you with us today. Kim Caps of Intuit, Deanna Christmas of IBM, Colleen McCreary of Electronic Arts, and Kim Grounds of Symantec. That's all the time we have. We thank you very much for your thoughts and advice. I'm Mark Bisno for the Graduate Management Admission Council. Thanks for listening, and above all, good luck in your interviews. We hope you've enjoyed part two of a special three-part series brought to you by MBA Podcaster and the Graduate Management Admission Council. In two weeks, we'll bring you part three, current recruiting trends and job opportunities in high tech. Visit our website, mbapodcaster.com, to listen to all three parts of this special in-depth program and see pictures of the event. Listen next week for our regularly scheduled program on whether an MBA is necessary for an already successful business person. I'm Janet Nakano, and this is MBA Podcaster. Thanks for listening. 